Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Giants Croncast, a podcast chronicling the San Francisco Giants. Featuring Brian Murphy and Doug Brazzoni. Part of FFSN, Fans First Sports Network. Hey, five and two, that was a pretty exciting week, I would say. Yeah, I will take a five and two homestand pretty much any time, but especially when you have two good divisional opponents, one of them's the first place team. I mean, that is that is a solid to excellent homestand. Um, you cannot really nitpick a lot about that record. No, I mean, they had a pair of walk-off wins, very exciting. All three of the Diamondbacks games were extremely competitive. Very exciting. I mean, it's like, <laughs> what more do you want? <laughs> it was a very entertaining week. And I think kind of the, the bigger th- news, I was right. just want to make clear <laughs> I was right. I, I One of the things I said in our last episode was like the lineup, because of the pitching issues, needs to really step it up. Now, they've been outscored 26 to 17 in their last four games, and they're also 2-2 two and two in their last four games. But the Giants lineup did step it up. That was a big key part of this Diamondback series was getting to the pitching for the Diamondbacks, which have been pretty good for this to this point. But they made it they all look like they were they came to play. Really, it was pretty cool to see. And just the way that they kept they kept battling, you know, they went down in uh, against the Diamondbacks in the Friday night game. They came back and they just kept just kept hitting. They the Diamondbacks tied. You know, they, it was back and forth in the Saturday game uh, repeatedly. You know, one team takes the lead, another one takes the lead, then the other team takes the lead, and they tie it up. And the Giants just got enough off of Merrill Kelly, a great pitcher this year. They they had a really good series offensively, even with a little bit of a dud on Sunday. Also, I was hoping for Luis Matos to hit his first home run, and he did against against Merrill Kelly. And uh, I didn't realize that that one in four, five forty ERA that Kel- Kelly had in seven starts at Oracle park would be such a big deal, but it, apparently it was. <laughs> and it was weird how the Saturday and Sunday games sort of uh, swap places in my mind. I kind of imagined that that's how the giants would go in the last two games, but not quite in the order that I imagined. Ryan Nelson really was able to keep them at bay, but even in that game, it was close until very late. Um, I just want to point out one other thing because there was one player who did not really stand out this the, in the last four games. We'll get to it in a second, but I want to point out that I we had said this a couple of episodes ago. I think I'm not happy with the strike zone, Doug. I'm really not happy with how the strike zone is going. And this is someone, meaning me, who is a fan of the uh, of the human factor when it comes to balls and strikes, but backing that up was the whole idea of like these guys get graded and uh, it doesn't seem to be doing anything to make it better. (laughs) Right. I mean, it's like if you go into school and they're like, all right, we're going to, we're going to give you an F on your test. Like, Oh man, does that affect whether I'm going to graduate? And they're like, no. So what's it matter? Right. Does (sighs) it do anything? Nah. 
<laughs> um, so, I mean, so if you remember about a week ago, the Giants played the Dodgers and the Dodgers were favored by about two and a half runs in that game. The Saturday game, I think. It's all a blur. Yeah, it's all a blur, but we all remember the game. It was the pop-up game. Maybe that was Friday. <laughs> it's It was horrible. There was a worse game for umpiring just Saturday. The Diamondbacks, per the umpire scorecard, got 2.76 runs of, of run expectancy from the missed calls, which included three. It was it was a, a way too big strike zone, except for three times that the Giants would have struck out Diamondbacks. And <laughs> and then one of those, uh, Duvall ended up walking him on that pitch, a pitch in the strike zone. The other two, I think they reached against Manaya, but I don't I don't remember offhand. It was just it's like a staggering display of like, what the hell, dude, if you're going to be bad, just be evenly bad. All you can do is grouse about it at this point because nothing's going to change. I mean, the the replay reviews that have historically gone against the Giants, some it just always feels like a miracle now when it's like, oh, went the Giants' way. That never seems to happen. But this umpire thing, it's not a crisis so much as you can tangibly see how it's impacting these games. The Saturday game in particular, there was a four-run inning. Doval gave up a run in the ninth inning. You know, the Giants had to score seven runs just to win that game. It's like right there uh, that you can really see it. And it's it shouldn't necessarily, in all cases, work that way. But I think given the nature of baseball today with the hitters being smarter, maybe not as, you know, the pitching is always going to have an advantage, but, you know, the hitters are smarter. Uh, and so if you can flummox the sequencing of a pitcher, you're actually giving the advantage back to the hitter. And it's just worth pointing out as something to complain about. Not necessarily, I think the season, the last four games, I should say, since we last recorded an episode, everything has gone pretty much according to plan. You know, the Giants got blown out. <laughs> then they, 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 blew, they, they blew a close game late on Sunday. I think it all kind of worked out as it should, but there have been moments where it's like, okay, well, maybe that's not going to hold in the future if these bad calls keep happening. What's not going to hold in the future, Doug, I'm transitioning right now, is your boy, Isan Diaz. What the hell? <laughs> uh, I've never heard of Isan Diaz before in my life. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, no, he, he looked bad. So he came up um, with the Mikey Stramski injury and uh, he just... Uh, what would he go? Oh, for six over seven. He's oh, for eight with two oh, with uh, four strikeouts. Yeah, uh, not great. Uh, I'll admit it. I'll admit that it's not great. His his <laughs> first at bat, he his first at bat, he did hit the ball hard. I remember um, it was just, you know, one of those things that got uh, knocked down, I think, by, by Oracle Park. But he, he he looks a little over anxious and it's possible that the 4A player label is correct. I, you don't want to make that, you know, after two games no, or whatever. But on the other hand, he did look really bad. Yeah. And anyway, I just wanted to point that out because he was a big topic of conversation multiple times last in the last season of uh, our last iteration. And uh, here he is. <laughs> here he, here he is. You're welcome. So with the Stremski on the I.L., um, they also have Luke Jackson now on the IL. That's, that's a big deal to me. Luke Jackson was hitting 95, uh, with pretty much a pretty explosive stuff. And it's going to be a bummer that he's on the IL. Ross Stripling is back though. 93, 94 with that fastball. <laughs> I love that Alex Pavlovich was like, 
Ross Stripling is back, but hey, he looks <laughs> he threw a little harder. Um, you know, I guess I with the Giants, we shouldn't really take it. That's not necessarily like um, uh, Tim Worrell's back and he's throwing 92. Like it, it, it's possible the Giants, the tinkering, the AAA thing that we've joked about so often. It's possible we could get a good appearance or two out of Ross Stripling, which uh, didn't seem plausible as of <laughs> a month ago. Um, so that's the injury update. Uh, this is just going to be a, a, a seesaw back and forth all season, I think. Um, and I guess let's just do any other random thoughts we might have had about the D-back series. Matos looked fantastic. I love that the attendance really has gone up now that the team's doing better. Obviously, I think school being out and the summer really kicking in. It's like a collision of things. If the Giants had been bad going into the summer, I'm sure they wouldn't be having uh, the excitement that they're getting. But uh, Doug, anything else about this D-back series you think is worth commenting on? I mean, just kind of the continued success of Patrick Bailey. Um, he's, he's been so good. Yeah. It's, it's really unreasonable to expect literally anyone to be as good as Patrick Bailey's been over his first month and a half or so in the league. Um, much less a rookie who just got his first call up, but he has been absolutely spectacular on both sides of the ball. He's been really fun to watch. Um, and he's a, apparently a great hitter right-handed now. They, they just, (laughs) they just decided, you know, we're going to make him good right-handed. We've been telling you for years, he's is good size left side. No, he's, he's good right-handed now. I bet JT Snow somewhere is like, what the hell, guys? You couldn't do that for me? Yeah. <laughs> it feels like a little bit of a rope-a-dope. What's going on here? It's a, <laughs> we, we were sold a bill of goods, and that's not been the case whatsoever. Uh, I like that the Giants, not just the Diamondback series, but let's focus mainly with the Diamondback series. Ver- compared to the Padres, who are performing off of the expectations below the expectations. So they're coming around now. The Diamondbacks really took that dark horse label in the off season to heart. And they really have run with it. They're really at the top, the top five in every category. I thought on paper heading into the series, they're the better team than the Giants. I don't think that was actually the case. I might've had that wrong. We might've had that wrong in our analysis. What we probably should have just said is like, these teams are very equal. And right now the, the Diamondbacks, Maybe they got off to a hot start, and so now the Giants were able to close the gap, and it's equal. That feels more correct because, wow, the Giants really did hold their own with this team that is leading the division, and uh, you can see it. Their, their lineup is talented. The Giants would love to have a Corbin Carroll, but guess what? The Giants both kind of held him in check for the weekend, and they do kind of have their own collection of players who are really close to equaling him. Michael Conforto stepping up. You kind of, I love that there's like players, the Giants have enough depth where you're like, oh yeah, Michael Conforto, he's good. And he's like, yeah. he, he jumped the Diamondbacks on Friday. It was really cool to see. Um, so I nothing but encouraging things to take away from this weekend series, I think. Yeah, abs- absolutely. It's basically the, like as much as you'd love to have a, a sweep, when you have a first place team that comes to your stadium, t- this series is is what you're hoping for. Like realistically. Um, yeah. And so I think you'll take it every time. So Doug, what else did you find interesting about the giants this week? Well, Brian, I'm so glad you asked. I really enjoyed just having Jock Peterson's energy back on the team. I mean, I know he's been back from his injury for a while, but um, you know, you watch him, you watched him. Uh, I think was it Friday 
where when it it looked like he'd beaten out the double play and he goes i'm so fucking fast <laughs> <laughs> um it's it's just been a lot of fun like it's a fun team right now and he's kind of exemplifying that then he he goes on the post game interview give, gives as boring of a post game interview as possible because that's how it works uh if, you, if you're interesting on a post game interview you're not doing it right you're gonna get someone's gonna yell at you um but just having him kind of in the lineup having him hitting it's it's been really great to see he's doing ex- almost exactly i think we're probably expecting a few more home runs out of him at by this point in the season i mean we're almost three full months through the season i would kind of expect him to be what closer to 20 or in that range all that aside, you also are expecting the energy levels to be uh, the other thing he provides is the guy can mash and he has a smile and he's a weirdo. And at least we've got that part going. He's come back really great from the IL. Uh, he's been really healthy and, and doing well. So that's a that's a good one. Um, can I I want to go back to the Patrick Bailey point that you made, because that to me has been the most interesting story to the point that it actually, you know, it's funny. You mentioned Jock Peterson and the giants having fun. There's kind of like two things. The national media is just becoming aware of the, did you see that John boy media? Like the giants had a rave after the latest oh, yeah. and, and everyone jumped on them being like, Hey, dingus, they've been doing that for a long time. Yeah. Cause no one's paying attention. And then last, uh, just a few days ago, John Morosi, John Paul Morosi, who I've come around and I actually like him. He's a national reporter. He does like, I think he does the Fox game sometimes. But he was saying, like, no one's talking about Patrick Bailey. The Giants have, are 17 and 7 with him uh, starting. They're now 18 and 8 in games started by Patrick Bailey. And as you said, now he can hit from the right side just fine, just for power, all that stuff. Um, but I, what I want to say is find interesting is you and I kind of joked about this a, a few weeks ago, but now I think it is starting to make the rounds of like, we shouldn't be mentioning Buster Posey. This shouldn't no 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 we can't do that but now it's still a small enough sample where you're like you no no we shouldn't but we should be doing we should be doing more of that we should be just bringing up buster posey just to say no 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 but he needs to keep coming up because this is clearly one of the key uh parts of the giants of the team's turnaround unmistakably when you watch him catch he steals strikes he controls the running game. His demeanor on, in the field, it doesn't change. He is a field general. He is he is calm, cool, and collected, and he clearly has the talent. We, we shouldn't mention Buster. I'm, just, I'm not going to compare him to Buster Posey. It's just, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I just find it very interesting that his fantastic performance has really helped boost the Giants' turnaround unmistakably, without question. I mean, what's the Giants' record in – June. It is 16 and 6. 16 and 6. And so they're 18 and 8 with him starting. And um they are just it's not a platoon situation, you know, that because of the bat, you would think it's just like, oh, we gotta platoon him. No, it's just like, oh, we, we can't we can't play him five days in a row or whatever. But guess what? They're also pushing him to the limits and they're they're playing him more than they would Buster Posey, who who we shouldn't be mentioning. We shouldn't be mentioning <laughs> Buster Posey. It doesn't make sense to do that. But just it's interesting to point out that the Giants turn around for the most part. They were doing pretty well before he got called up or they were doing better. Um, but 
unmistakably he is as big a part of what's going on right now as any other player. And I got to say, he might be in the top two of players who you want to pin the medal on of who's helped turn this around. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's absolutely right. He's, he's been the key to the giants. I don't know if, I don't know if I'd say turnaround. They were, you know, doing decently when he got called up. They just, he's the one who really helped them take it to the next level. You know what, for the turnaround aspect of it, let's say this perception wise, he's helped turn because you're right. The performance was getting better, but you know, after they started what six and 13, we had, they like panic extended Logan Webb. You know what I mean? Like there was uh there was some doldrums going on. And even though they were starting to play a little bit better, the, the Bailey part of this, it's like knowing that they have excitement behind the plate. I, I really think that helps Doug, anything else that you found interesting? I want to kind of just give a shout out to Taylor Rogers. Um, I'm not going to say we like left him for dead after his first couple of weeks at the Giants, but things were not looking good. And I feel like I I say this like every other week about him, but when someone is pitching as well as Taylor Rogers, you should notice it and mention it just all the time because he has been spectacular for the last two months at this point. Yes, he came in the game on Saturday um, in what was supposed to be Luke Jackson's inning. And not to say he's not prepared beforehand, um, but, uh, but you know, that's, you're going to take a little bit of a mental break. You're like, all right, he's got it. I'll come in next inning. And and then no. So Taylor Rogers comes in uh, for matchups that the Giants probably didn't want him coming in for. And he pitches scoreless inning, gives up a hit, strikes that one. And it's, you just rely on him now. Like you just know he's going to do it at this point, which is something that's, that's incredible to have. Um, the Giants had no one like that last year other than Duvall. Mm-hmm. And that's been another huge key, I think, for the Giants. Doug, I find uh, Anthony DiScofani's last two starts to be interesting insofar as they weren't great, but they were maybe... I think we talked him down in our Thursday episode, which is kind of deserved, but he had a... Solid start on Sunday, again, against a first-place team. And um, the Giants really need him to be at least that good because they are in uh, somewhat of a concerning situation with the <laughs> with the rotation, I would say. And I'm trying to pull up. He pitched six innings, and he was getting a lot of swing. He got a lot of swing-throughs. He had three strikeouts only. We only gave up five hits. He had two earned runs. He used his curveball a couple of times. Uh, as opposed to a slider. So he did try to mix it up. He gave up eight hits in five innings and three runs, but he had six strikeouts. That was against the Padres in the Giants win there. You know, pitching well enough to keep them in the games, that's kind of, to me, what DiScofani's ceiling ought to be. Five or six innings, three runs. Effectively a quality start guy who can get through it. And the fact that he was doing maybe slightly more than that and was sort of in that... He was almost like the number two starter for for a moment in the first uh, month of the season. We didn't need that. We'd need this. So I find it interesting that Di Scalfani kind of, um, not this, I don't know. We'll see what happens this coming week. But like this week, he was not so terrible that you're like, oh, the Giants are in trouble. You're like, okay, having Logan Webb and then kind of two number five starters, if indeed that's what Alex Wood is, that's not great. But it's maybe uh, Di Scalfani did not, earn the label of uh oh god oh god no so 
So that's where I'm at with him. No, I think that's a good point. I think um, the yesterday's start, the key for him was he didn't walk anybody. You know, give up five hits, don't walk anybody. Sure, two runs, but two runs in six innings is a good start. Um, against some tough against lefties. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they have some tough lefties on that team. Um, and the lack of run support isn't, that's not on him. You know, no. he's he's not out there trying to hit. No. So, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I think I, th- I think that's a good call. He, he did a good job. Um, so, Brian, what's something you found concerning about the Giants this week? Well, I already teased it, but I'm going to go for it more. Ross Stripling's return just makes me go, God, they really need Alex Cobb back. And I'm concerned at this point about the rotation. I find it concerning that um, Tristan Beck and Keaton Wynn giving up runs is not an issue. The bullpen giving up runs, by the way, folks, that's what bullpens do. The Giants bullpen being as good as it has been through this entire run where they've shot back into contention. That's been great. But we have been saying, do not expect this to last all season. So Tristan Beck being uh, having trouble with the strike zone yesterday and Keaton Wynn giving up some runs on Saturday, that's not that surprising. What's going to be tough, though, going forward is if it is Logan Webb and it is Anthony DiScalfani and it is Alex Wood for the next three weeks, I think the Giants are in a lot in trouble. I don't know how much trouble, just like I don't know how good they actually are, but the ceiling for how good they can be will be clipped if they're not getting at least one other good starter guy in there right now. So I'm a little concerned. I'm not optimistic that Ross Stripling is going to come in there and be an answer at all. And I don't know where we stand with Kyle Harrison. I kind of feel like we're still a month away from him coming up, but I could be wrong. It, it doesn't seem like Harrison's going to come up soon. Uh, from what, from what just we're seeing his last start uh, was pretty bad in round rock. I think he uh, gave up seven runs in two and a third, which isn't, it's not a big deal for prospect status. You know, you sometimes you give up runs. It happens. Dealing with that is part of learning to be a pitcher. Um, but it's, uh, you know, he's, he's not necessarily fully cooked yet uh, in the good way. <laughs> right. Not in the veteran way. Exactly. Not, <laughs> but what I've been concerned about this week is, uh, I mean, the injuries. And this is something I wrote about on my Substack, And then they had two more injuries after I wrote about it just this week where, you know, uh, Luke Jackson goes down. Mike Yastrzemski goes down. The Giants have guys who can replace them, but they're not as good. Like, I, I don't mean that as a slight on Ross Stripling. Maybe Ross Stripling will make me look very stupid and pitch five shutout innings the next time he's in the game. And the Giants will say, yep, it's exactly what we knew he would do the whole time. Uh, and then he'll be great forever. But um, Luke Jackson was looking like a shutdown reliever, you know, a guy who could pitch the eighth inning if you needed to. And now he's gone and Ross Stripling has been very unreliable this year. Mike Yastrzemski was really hitting well. We had just basically did an entire podcast about how good he was. Um, and he got injured. And the Giants called him Isan Diaz, which setting aside how he's done in two games um, is certainly going to be a downgrade. So, I mean, the depth is the Giants have good depth. They had very good depth coming in the season. They did a really, the front office did a really good job of making sure they would have major league caliber players uh, to withstand the inevitable injuries. The injuries came and the plan worked perfectly, but it just, they just keep getting more injured. And it there will be a point when you're just going to be kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel. Um, I don't want to say they're there now, but it's, 
you don't know which at some point it's going to happen if these injuries keep up. And so, you know, come back soon, Alex Cobb, come back soon, Wilmer Flores, come back soon, whoever, um, you know, everyone else. But it's it's a little worrying to see how how they're getting a lot thinner because of injuries. Mitch Hanniger getting injured, 100%. They were like, yeah, that's going to happen. We're yeah. going to need uh, <laughs> Alex Cobb getting injured, 100%. That's going to need to happen. Your Luke Jackson point, it, it reminds me that they're at, without both Luke Jackson, who is John Brebbia 2.0, and right now they're without John Brebbia 1.0. Those yeah. are two big losses in the pen. But I'm going to use that as sort of a jumping off point into my my concern is that they're going into Toronto this week and Brandon Belt is back, baby. And I, <laughs> I'm concerned that we're going to be too focused on Brandon Belt bashing in the Giants' brains because they are they are uh, thin on depth. That is also my big concern is the injuries. Uh, I I hope there's nothing weird or cutesy going on with Ross Stripling getting called up now, going back to face his former team, as though that's some sort of fix. But you know what, Doug? The Giants are smarter than me, so that could be exactly what's going on. But that concerns me all the same, because <laughs> because then that means that narrative actually supersedes quality or quantitative analysis, which means what are we doing here? So is Michael Lewis's Moneyball more valuable than the than the regression analysis done to help? Is that what's going on here, or no? I'm just I'm just convoluting two things. I'm conflating two things. That's what's going on. Yeah. The narrative yeah, doesn't think, matter. Okay. I think I think you're conflating two things. I think <laughs> Ross Stripling might his rehab might have been extended, um, but when Luke Jackson got hurt, they were like, "Well, he had a good outing. The scouts probably came back with good things to say about him." We'll just put him on the roster and see what happens. I don't think they wanted to call him up now. It was just circumstances kind of pushed them into it. And plus with the the limit on calling someone up and sending him down, you don't want to call up Sean Jelly again for one day or for like a week and then send him back down when you're probably just going to bring Ross Stripling back anyway. I agree. And we didn't really talk about this in any of our things, but, you know, shout out to Sean Jelly coming up and, and looking good. And, yeah, 100%. and that's a credit to him. You know what? We, you know, what we don't talk about enough, especially with the giants folding in all these rookie players. Baseball is very hard. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is so hard, especially at the major league level. I was bad at it in middle school. So just like getting all of these players who get better and better. I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, you can see, you know, the, the diamondbacks players, you know, Zach Davies, and uh, Ryan Nelson, Davies had seven ERA. Nelson had a five ERA. Merrill Kelly was their second best pitcher. You could see why they were all in the major leagues, why they were good. And then you could see, you know, it, it, the way that data analysis and coaching has worked, it's sort of like, wow, a guy can look really bad on one pitch. Remember, you used, there used to be like Vlad Guerrero or like certain hitters. You're like, wow, he looked really bad on that pitch. And then he's ready to go and he looks amazing like two pitches later. I think with coaching and data analysis, like that's a lot more players these days. And so it's not so much, again, the pitchers still have the advantage, but it's really hard. And seeing Patrick Bailey, seeing Luis Matos, you know, when Casey Schmidt came up and just was hitting the ball for that very five, those five games, <laughs> it's like, that is not an easy thing to roll in there to, and do. And that's why it's like the Ross Stripling thing, I think got so much concern because it's like, wow, it looks very easy for hitters right now against him. And there's nothing he's doing that indicates 
that that's going to change. Um, so it just, but Sean Jelly going back and retooling and he was a starter in AAA. He comes up and he's pitching in relief now in, in the major leagues after pitching in relief and getting shelled. I, there's the, the confidence, the mental part of the game has to be such a big part, an even bigger part of it than we dare to fathom as fans. Yeah, 100%. And then my one last concern, uh, the Giants are doing all these bullpen games. Ryan Walker is not as good an opener as John Brevia. Um, no. Whatever Brevia was able to do to kind of get himself ready or to just not care, which is kind of what it seemed like. He's just like, yeah, I'll just show up and pitch. And then, you know, whatever happens, happens. Um, Ryan Walker doesn't doesn't have that, which isn't a demerit or anything against him. It's just um, it makes the bullpen games a little little iffier. And the Giants are going to keep having them because they don't have enough starting pitching. I think we're getting into that point where we're going to start talking about the trade deadline. I'm certainly interested to see if teams start to move a little bit sooner because August 1st is your trade deadline. That doesn't leave a lot of time to get someone in there. You know, kind of like makes the whole trade deadline now that I think about it, July 31st, August 1st, like kind of silly, right? <laughs> you know, to the trade deadline, you know, teams should be making more moves sooner. I don't know. Because how long are how many starts are you going to get? You're going to give up a lot for a little bit. I don't know. But that is a very big concern is maybe one more starter they need to kind of make this all clarified. I like your Ryan, Ryan Walker point. We had talked about this seems like a good time to figure out is there another guy we can get in there besides Brebia as an opener and I think you're right but we'll see because right sometimes you just need to give it a little more time so. yeah I mean I mean Ryan Walker is still a rookie and he's not used to, to starting a game it's entirely possible he can show up do fine and figure it out it's also possible that it just he's not comfortable with it so you don't know uh so three in Toronto we'll be back um We'll be back to preview the Mets series, but Tug, just again, to that point, the Giants uh, in the three games in Toronto right now, it's all TBD. Yeah. We don't know who's starting. You know, Brandon Belt, they're going to face. That'll be great. Uh, I don't actually have very good memories of the Giants playing in Toronto, so I'm not really looking forward to the series, but at the same time, this is a new Giants team. We don't know. Yeah, I, remember, could... I have some memory. I don't remember what year it was where they just, they went in there and they just got throttled in a short two-game series. Yes, um, I think that was one of one of the big indicators of like, up oh, Matt Cain is toast. Yeah, that's so. kind of my recollection. There's that. All right, Doug, tell us tell us more about your writing. Uh, so you can find me at giantsdoug.substack.com, where I write about the Giants every Tuesday and Thursday. Great content twice a week. Uh, Brian, where can people find you? <laughs> well, I'm writing for McCoveyChronicles.com still. Uh, we're Never on fans. Yeah, never heard of it. Uh, we're at Fans First Sports Network, at Fans First SN on Twitter. Follow them. Uh, find out who does the 49ers, who does the Warriors, big news in Warriors land. I don't like Chris Paul. Makes me want to watch the Warriors less, Doug. That uh, Chris <laughs> Paul is now a warrior. Anyway, uh, there's that. Uh, give us five stars right there in the Spotify app right before uh, you're done washing dishes. You can just press five stars. There you go. Also, Apple Podcasts. So until Thursday, we'll be back with an all-new episode. Go Giants!